in that uh, VBS promo said there's more to life than what's on your screen. I can't avoid thinking about when I go to play my clarinet in the park, how many people I see walking around in all that beauty, but all they're looking at is that screen. I wonder how they keep from stumbling. As I prayed, really seeking God's word for today, the only thing that came to me every time I prayed for the word this morning was to encourage TCF to keep on doing what it's doing. <laughs> to continue to be a church at prayer, which frankly is one of this church's most defining characteristics. Listen to some of the things that just show how prayer is at the core of our congregational life. The last Saturday of every month, we have an all-day prayer for the church. The women's prayer for descendants on the last Saturday of the month. The monthly all-church prayer meeting on the second Wednesday of the month. The elders, 30 minutes of prayer before beginning the business meeting each Tuesday at 5.45 a.m. The missions prayer band every Sunday morning. Prayer teams available during communion each Sunday. The intercessory prayer list published every week. The prayer offered every Sunday as a part of the Sunday morning service. And frankly, many churches I've been in don't pray like this one does on Sunday morning. Prayers that are a part of every house church meeting. The missionary of the week for whom we pray. The nation of the month for which we pray, which this month is Afghanistan. And the prayer room is open throughout the week for anyone who wishes to spend time in prayer. I could go on and on, but... Anybody who looks at this church and really knows this church has to say this is a church devoted to prayer. And so I ask, well, Lord, <laughs> that being true, why would you want me to speak about prayer today? And the Lord said, keep on doing what you're doing. Pray and keep on praying. <laughs> So this morning, as God leads, we're going to be considering several passages of Scripture, but I'm also going to share a bit from things I've learned in my personal experience and the prayer life that God has given me. I was immersed into Jesus when I was 10 years of age. I'm now 91. For 81 years, I doubt if there's been a single day that I have not prayed every day. Sometimes very immature. I thank God that he said no to some of the things I begged him for when I was just a kid. <laughs> if he'd said yes to those, my life would sure have been a mess today. But I, I just thank God so much for prayer. So the first thing you want to talk about this morning is the importance of being persistent and unceasing in prayer. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, you shall find, knock, it shall be opened to you. But in all three of those instances, the verb is imperative, indicative, present, which means ask, keep on asking. <laughs> Seek, keep on seeking. Knock, keep on knocking. And so humanly, we, we sometimes pray and pray and pray until it becomes mechanical 
but keep on praying. Some of you know I've spoken before of the practice that Barb and I had for throughout our married life, especially after the children were grown. I would wake up first in the morning, make the coffee, bring two cups to the bedroom, put one on her table, one on my table, and gently touch her and say, Sweetheart, coffee's ready. She would wake up, sit up in bed. I'd go around the other side, sit with our shoulders touching, and we'd drink that first cup of coffee in absolute silence. When that first cup was empty, she wouldn't say a thing. She'd just nudge me, and I'd go get a second cup. (laughs) But after that one was gone, we embarked upon our prayer together, and we ignored the clock, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. We prayed for descendants. One particular descendant was an alcoholic, deeply addicted to alcohol. And we prayed and prayed and prayed for at least 25 years for that particular person. And truly, in 25 years of praying every day for the same person, it does become mechanical. But one day after 25 years, that person showed up at our house and said, I have to do something. I have to do something. And Barbara said, pray. And the person said, I pray all the time, but I can't quit. Through the help of Jim and Diana, we got that person in 12 and 12. Supposed to be there 30 days, stayed one week, got dried out for 25 years, hadn't touched a drop. But for 25 years, we prayed and saw no results. Pray and keep on praying. There are two situations in which I have been praying fervently for a long time with no results. The last Tuesday, as I sat in the prayer room with David and Joel Kelly, I got a text and interrupted our meeting and looked at it. Good news. <laughs> what I've been exceedingly, God, God, please. It happened. My spirit was so elated as like a balloon filled with helium. <laughs> and let me tell you, at 4 o'clock this afternoon, I got a phone call with good news about the other one. When I had been praying for years for both of these situations, pray and keep on praying. You know, prayer is not just some religious exercise, but it's acknowledging who's the king of the universe and the one to whom all things are subject. Remember, Jesus gave the parable of the unjust judge. Here's how it begins in Luke 18. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Then remember, he gave the parable of the unjust judge. Here was this judge who feared neither God nor man, always looking out for himself, And there was this poor, destitute widow who came to him asking justice against the person who was oppressing her. 
She wasn't important. Judge wasn't going to pay attention to her. But she kept and kept, and he finally said, just to stop this woman from aggravating me, I want to go ahead and give her justice. And Jesus said, if an unjust judge would do that, <laughs> the heavenly Father who loves you. And here's what he said. I tell you, he will bring about justice for them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now notice it said this began that he did this to show that at all times he ought to pray and not lose heart. And yet he says, acted speedily. What does that mean? How does he act speedily if you're supposed to pray and keep on praying? Well, here's kind of how I've thought about it. And I, this is not God's answer. This is Jim Garrett's speculation. But when we begin praying, God begins to amassing his forces, getting them all together. And one day in his time, he says, go. And they speedily rush forth. You know, think about this. When Stephen was being stoned to death, because he had spoken so boldly about Jesus to the senator in the Jewish court. As they were getting ready to kill him, he looked up and said, I see the Son of Man standing by God. And he looked up and said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And then they killed him. One of those men, you know, was Saul of Tarsus who held the coats of those who threw the stones. God had a special purpose for him, and you know that not long after that, as he's rushing off to Damascus to arrest some Christians, the Lord Jesus appeared to him. He became one of the, perhaps the greatest evangelists that ever lived. But what about those other people? About 25 years later, the Romans came against Jerusalem, devastated the city, killed the people. God's vengeance came in time because of this man, and yet he pled, lay not this sin to their charge. Now, we have women that meet the last Saturday of every month to pray for descendants. Before they started doing that, I'd launched a campaign among the elders throughout the nation to have the last Saturday of the month that we pray for descendants. And so we've been doing that for several years. I have, I think, 42 names of elders from around the country for whom I pray. I have 60 of my own, or it's the other way around. I forget, 42, one, six to the other. One man who has a son for whom we have been praying is my dear brother in the Lord, Jim King. Jim and his wife, Beverly, have two daughters and a son. The son is named Davin, D-A-V-E-N. As I recall, Davin was married, and that marriage is broken up because of Davin's sexual addictions. And so when I sent out the reminder to the elders of the churches on Friday to pray for descendants, that that was the day we've set aside to do that, Jim King sent me this email. Definitely could use it. Davin, my son, has been out of jail for a year, has not overcome his drug addiction, 
He sleeps here most of the time, and his room is such a mess, he usually goes to the storage area with a couch. Today, he's on the verge of being violent when asked to get up and try to accomplish something. Knowing that I've had this problem in my own family, he says, you know how it is. It definitely has a negative effect on the family. I'm feeling a little desperate. And I sent back an email and I said, Jim, I want you to know I'm praying for David. Let me ask you as a church, will you join me in praying for David? D-A-V-E-N, David King. And hopefully in coming weeks, I can get an email from Jim that will say to me, something's happened. Something's happened. Brothers and sisters, this is serious business, but what a privilege God gives us. What a privilege God gives us. We need to learn to pray in the Spirit. Again, the scripture was read this morning, Ephesians six eighteen, with all prayer and petition, all kinds, you see. Pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and position for all the saints. Now, praying in the Spirit and with the Spirit are not the same thing. To pray with the Spirit is to pray in tongues. My spirit is praying. Paul wrote to the First Corinthians, First Corinthians 14, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? Pray with the Spirit, pray with the mind also, sing with the Spirit, sing with the mind also, and so on. So when I'm praying in tongues, and I do, I'm, my spirit is praying, my mind is unfruitful. But I can do that because the Holy Spirit has touched me and given my spirit the ability to do that. One day I was praying in tongues, loudly going on in the church building no one's around i sense god said shut up <laughs> i want all of you <laughs> and so i began to pray with my mind where i was uh, fully involved but whether we're praying in tongues with the spirit or with the language understand with our mind we need to be in the spirit i was playing the cornet at the park a few weeks ago couple came up I'd say they were probably in their 50s obviously excitedly in love with each other and uh, the man said uh, we're seeking God what we're to do what's the next step I tell them knew he's saying God are we to get married <laughs> began to talk he said you know I was in a meeting with a men's meeting this morning, large group of men, the speaker got up and he said, you know, how many of you spend an hour with God every day, either reading the Bible or praying? No one, no one. <laughs> and then he said, then we began to talk and I began to share some things about Christ. And he said, uh, you know, you seem to have an antenna out that picks up God's message more than more people. Will you pray for us? <laughs> and so I prayed for them, and they went off holding hands excitedly. But listen, I don't have an antenna any greater than anybody else. When I was a boy, 
I think I was in grade school, junior high at latest. I made a crystal set radio. Most of you are too young to know what that is, but you have a little crystal, which uh, is somewhat magnetic, I guess. You have a little wire called a cat's whisker that you touch it. You have on earphones. And then you have an antenna. My antenna was a long copper wire running out of my bedroom do post. With that antenna, nothing happened. But with the antenna, if I didn't have on my earphones, I wouldn't hear anything. Let me tell you something. If you are praying in the spirit, you have an antenna. The question is, are you listening? Are you listening? It's so important that not only is prayer outgoing, but prayer meditating and listening to what God speaks to our minds. Last Sunday as I was ordaining the elder at uh, Church 3434, before I ordained him, the man asked me, how do you know or how do you hear from the Spirit? How do you hear from God? It's a question to really ponder, isn't it? But I must say, the only answer I know to give is after 81 years of daily prayer, sitting silently before God and praying, I've learned to tell the difference between my own thoughts and the one God is bringing to me. I can only say that's come from experience, but you have an antenna. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. The question is, are you listening? We seek guidance from the Spirit concerning how we pray. We've received guidance from the Spirit uh, for what we should pray. And then we express in the language of the mind or the language of our spirit and listen and intercede. Praying in the Spirit is, at the leading of the Spirit, is one way we know how to pray according to God's will. 1 John 5, 14 to 16, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know we have requests we've asked from him. Then on to this particular topic. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask. God will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. Then this caveat, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say he should make requests for this. Since my wife died, I have continued that time alone in the morning prayer, trying to have pre-dawn prayer before I begin my day. I've found that God appreciates the aroma of coffee. <laughs> you know, I am a thousand percent in favor of prayer meetings. But I must admit that I cannot connect with God in a prayer meeting the way I do when I'm alone with God. You know, Jesus spoke about those who love to pray long prayers in the street corners and synagogues and that they might be heard. 
And, I, and he said, but when you pray, go in your closet, shut the door. <laughs> and what you pray to God in secret, he'll hear and reward you in secret. This morning as I was sitting in prayer, I just began to ponder the astounding truth that here I am sitting in my bedroom with a cup of coffee talking to the creator the God of the universe, and he's listening. He's listening. As a matter of fact, it was a, such an intimate thing, I almost thought, well, this is kind of like being at Tim's Midtown Diner with Ed Harkins and just sitting here chatting, or Bob and Shirley's living room and chatting with them. It's just, that's an astounding thing to think about, isn't it? That God allows us to have that kind of intimacy with him. Almost saying, let's have a conversation. Never, ever, ever do I want to lower God. And yet I'm astounded at the fact that that intimacy that he allows in the Holy Spirit just doesn't make a bit of sense. But I'll tell you, it's true. Beautifully true. Thanksgiving and expression to God must always be a part of our prayer life. Again, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your requests known to God. You know, our human tendency is we focus on all our needs all our circumstances, what's lacking, all the problems. Sure, we have them. If you're walking on this earth, you have them. And I'll tell you, the longer you live, the more you have them. But what a blessing. As I sit in my bedroom in the dark, my God in heaven, what if I were homeless? under a bridge today and it's raining and it's cold my God thank you I have a house in which I live I've said before I have more friends than it's legal to have I don't know anyone in the world more blessed than I am and I am continually just don't know how to say thank you enough to God how do I thank God enough for all this blessing that he gives to me? Some of the problems I have are the result of bad choices I've made. Some are because I'm involved with other people's lives as a result of bad choices they've made, and yet God has me bear the burden. Whatever that is, I pray for them. I pray for them. You've heard me say before, I think, some of you have, when there's somebody that has a horrible personality, I think about this, cows moo, horses whinny, dogs bark, jackasses bray, it's just the nature of the beast, and that person, just the nature of the beast, pray for them and love them. But brother and sister, what you and I take for granted 
most of the population on this globe could never even dream of having. As a matter of fact, previous generations could never have dreamt what you and I have today as something so routine that we expect it and almost feel like we're entitled to it. As we look through the New Testament and read it, we see the apostles and Christians as well as Jesus himself setting the pattern for prayer. Remember, Jesus sometimes prayed all night. A couple of times his disciples fell asleep. I relate to that. Yesterday I was in a prayer room trying to pray for the sentence and kept dozing off. Oh, my goodness, I didn't like myself. But what do you do about that? <laughs> I remember Thomas Merton's prayer. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know the destination. I don't know the way. I don't even know myself. But I believe that my desire to please God pleases him. Isn't that a great prayer? <laughs> so even in my tendency to slumber when trying to pray, <laughs> I believe God said, good job, Jim. <laughs> the church was born on a prayer meeting, in a prayer meeting on the day of Pentecost, Acts 1, 14, and the Holy Spirit fell and out of that, you and I today have this blessed time we have in the church of Jesus, fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit. Remember when Peter and John were arrested and let go, the church just burst forth in praise in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 6, the apostles, when they said, you know, we can't take care of all this giving the food out the widows, pick some deacons, we must give ourselves to prayer and the word. Cornelius praying, and God said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. Send a Joppa, find a man named Peter. And the Gentiles, for the first time, received the gospel. When Peter was in prison, the church prayed fervently, and an angel came and miraculously released him. And one thing of interest is in 1 Corinthians 7, it says the only reason a husband and wife should restrain from conjugal relationships, says wife, you don't own your body, it's your husband's. Husband, you don't own your wife, it's your body's. The only reason to refrain from conjugal relationship, if by mutual agreement you agree to fast from that for a while and spend time in prayer and then come back together. <laughs> prayer is that important. That's the only reason he says to suspend that relationship in a marriage. Second Corinthians 1, 8 to 11, praying for missionaries, which we do. Second Corinthians 9, 14, congregation should pray for one another. One thing that Barb and I did over the years is we began our morning prayer by praying for the various churches throughout the nation where we had been and ministered and where we had relationships. And if I forgot one, she would remind me it's important that we pray for our brothers and sisters in other churches. So all I know to say this morning to conclude is this. My brother, my sister, TCF, keep on doing what you're doing. <laughs> pray and keep on praying. May God's blessing rest upon you.